Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, the crappy quiz, and a slight tangent. Get you going that little if you bit. Say to Anger it. is a great ah, motivator. Yeah. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Hurling on Off the Ball with Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. We are delighted to be joined on the line by the Antrim hurler, Neil McManus, who's retired from inter-county hurling this week, a career which started in the Saffron of Antrim in 2007. Neil won two Joe McDonough Cups in 2020 and 2022 with the Saffrons and played in an All-Ireland Club final with his club, Rory Oag Bushendall, back in 2016. Neil, we really appreciate your time speaking to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks a million for having me, John. Why now, Neil? Why are you hanging up the hurl when it comes to inter-county this week? Um, uh, a few different reasons, John. Uh, in truth, I am probably prioritising other things in my life. Uh, I have a young daughter at home um, and I'd like to be about home a little bit more, to be totally honest. And uh, outside of that, I think it's a really good time for, for me to be moving on and doing other things because the strength of the panel uh, that we have in Antrim now has really developed to a level where we're really starting to challenge the, the teams who are, who are serious about the, the competitive knockout stages of the championship now and I'm, I'm very pleased that I've been part of that process to, to bring the the team to to where we're at now and I'm very confident that I'll be a happy man going to watch them as well. And it's good to be comfortable with the decision to say I've no regrets here, I've had a great run and now it's family time. Yeah, I was so lucky, John. I obviously played for for a long time with Antrim, uh, relatively injury-free. You know, everybody has a few injuries uh, now and again, but uh, not nothing too major. And I... I've enjoyed it so much and give it everything that I had and I'm happy with um, the the level of commitment that I was able to give it and life's busy now uh, in, 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 other, in other ways so I'm, I'm happy in the fact that where I will leave it I've given it everything I can to do it. I was speaking to Brian Hogan the former Kilkenny hurler there recently Neil and he says this is a lifestyle choice the choice to play inter-county hurling when you think about the last 15, 16, 17 years, how many hours a week would you be spending dedicated to Antrim Hurling? So the, the hours dedicated um, are, are probably, they probably don't even tell the full story because I know, you know, we've seen a, a, an ESRI report, uh, I think it was saying there was between 30 and 40 hours being spent uh, per week um, in the under, in the county game by our hurlers and footballers and but it is Brian Hogan's dead right. It's it's the lifestyle. Everything you do revolves around uh, the training that evening, the session. You know, a flexibility session in the morning, getting ready for the following night's training, the game at the weekend. Everything you do revolves around it. Your spare time outside of work isn't really spare time. It will be used to prepare you for the upcoming training uh, or the upcoming match, and that's brilliant because. Uh, it's something that you're so lucky to do if you're selected to play for your county. It's such a privilege that you want to give it everything you can. You And also in sport, I think 
you can have 60, 70, maybe 80% of the work done before you ever get onto the field. And you want to use your time as wisely as you can to, to give yourself the best opportunity to perform whenever that comes around. Because we don't play that many games. Um, like, I think between league and championship, it was 10 games for Antrim. And over the course of an eight-month season, like that's not many games. Uh, I think there should be more games probably spread out a little bit more. We, we, we play two little clumps of games really at the minute. Um, and I uh, I would love to see more. And I think, you know, what we've seen in the, the Monster final and the Leinster final recently, I don't think too many people would disagree. So you're from Cushendall up in the Glens, or as you say, North Antrim near the coast. Was GA in the blood from as long as you can remember? Oh, uh, it's... Uh, Hurling is everything to Cushendall. Uh, Hurling's just a way of life in the glens of Antwerp. It's very, very much part of the social fabric. Uh, our, our small communities are, I would say, not only are we fixed upon the game and the, the championship games whenever they come around, it's a huge part of our identity and what the, the communities there are. It binds us together and um, as long as I can remember growing up I wanted to play for Cushendall my father was secretary of our club for a long time um, my older brother John my, my younger sister Maria we'd be going down to the pitch with him in the evenings and watching senior training and poking the ball about and all we wanted to do was was be one of those those people on the on the pitch and I've said it before like our, our heroes were our senior hurlers in Cushendall whenever I was growing up it wasn't you know the Brazilian Ronaldo or it wasn't the uh, Kaka, you know, it was, it was these guys and that really ha- ha- that never really changed for me. It was Sambo Terence McNaughton, was it? <laughs> yeah. He, he's been a huge influence in our club and in our area as well. And massive uh, in terms of coaching as well, which isn't touched on a lot of times. People know Sambo's story, but a phenomenal coach uh, and he, his fingerprints are, are all over the last probably three groups of players who have sustained our, our county team and our club team. I've never met the man or had the uh, fortune to interact with him, but he seems to be a great character by all accounts. He is. He really is. Uh, he's great fun. Um, he is hurling mad to say the, to say the least. Um, but you know, he, he is a, he has a pub in Cushendall in the centre of the village. Um, a hurling, uh, many a hurling post-mortem has taken place in there. And we've actually started a, a small tour. Um, so we have uh, in the village where people will come and learn about the Glens of Antrim and learn about hurling and what it means to us there. And um, people always enjoy interacting with Sambo and, and meeting him. Uh, he's, he's very... In, in, a, in a world where everything is kind of measured and a lot of things are watered down, he's uh, very much authentic and uh, raw, maybe would be the best word to, de- to describe him. It was 1989 when you reached the All-Ireland Final as a county, uh, Neil, part of Antrim legend when you were growing up? Yeah, of course. And from, from a negative point of view, really, we haven't had enough to talk about since um, because... It's you know eighty nine's a long time ago now. I was only one uh, one year one year old at that stage, and uh, we haven't we haven't hit the heights that I would have liked to. And I was part of a very competitive minor team, um, and two consecutive years we lost out to Limerick by a point and Galway by by two possibly in, in the All Ireland series. And 
we really felt like we won in all Ireland. We had a really talented uh, minor minor team, and that gave us great belief going into the senior ranks. But the the long and the short of it was the the, the very top counties were having uh, a minor team of that kind of quality every three or four years or, or five or six years and we've probably had two in the last 20 years and that's just not enough um, and we need to develop our underage uh, teams to the level where they're comfortably complete, competing in Leinster at, at probably under 15, under 17, under 19 as well as at senior level. Lucky the Shamrocks have won a couple of Club All Ireland's. Dunloy have been arguably unlucky. They've lost five. You lost one in 2016 to the Pearshake. So we know, as you've outlined there, that hurling is, is a religion in Antrim and parts of pockets of Antrim. Did the troubles ever impact on Cushendal? I, mean, I, I suppose by the time you were growing up, they were coming to a, an end and the peace process was beginning. But was it ever a, a situation that there was any kind of degree of discomfort where to do what you did to have that identity and that fabric of being a, a GA person? Yeah, I think people wouldn't probably believe and maybe a, lot, a lot of people in the South wouldn't be aware um, how things have transformed in the last 15 years, really. Uh, the, the place is unrecognisable from that point of view. Huge Even 15? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the, the key period. There's been peace, essentially, since since 2000, you know, uh, uh, in the North. and um, But there were still... Uh, instances where maybe you, you wouldn't be wearing your GA gear uh, when you were traveling to a certain place or you wouldn't be standing waiting for a lift with your, your hurling your bag over your shoulder in certain areas up until up until the more recent years. Um, and that was just part of life as a, as a GA player in the North. And um, although we, you know, my generation have seen so very little of uh, the conflict, if you like, we have we've grown up, especially my age, we've grown up being conscious of it and knowing that you have to be smart about, you know, where you would travel and with what you would be wearing. But those days are, are gone now. Definitely. I felt anything like that in the last decade. And, you know, we go to any, the, the vast majority of places wearing our, our GA gear proudly. And it's, it's very much accepted. And, um, we live in a society now in the north that's very welcoming, and I know Ireland is very possibly going to change again in the, in the near future. Um, but I think the north is is a, is a very welcoming place, and somewhere that I think a lot more even tourists from the south are starting to visit. I was lucky enough, Neil, to be at Shane Lowry's open win in Port Rush there in 2019, and I stayed in Belfast, and I went into Belfast around Belfast on the Monday just to see it. So I got a taxi tour of the Shankill and the Falls and had the Ulster Fry and did all the cliched things. But the fact that you were able to have a taxi tour of the Shankill and the Falls and see all the murals is all, and you, you all obviously have the politicians and, you know, the, the, at times they get loud around certain things like protocols and all that kind of thing. But I'm getting the sense from you that for the ordinary people, it's more of a multicultural, it's more of a um, secular almost environment now. It's, it's, it's an environment which is inclusive and people just go about their business. It certainly is, and Belfast is a multicultural city now. It's a vibrant city. It's very, very popular for Hindus, stag dues. Um, it's a type of place that I 
would be very proud to bring people and show them because there's great character about it. And Derry is very much the same. Derry is a great place for a night out and a huge history in both cities. And the, the, the black taxi tour is, is brilliant. The walking tour of the, the walls of Derry is another must do if you're in the north. Um, but I, I, the, the place has been transformed really since the, the, the turn of the millennium. And it's, it's a great time to be growing up uh, in the north. And I think that a lot of the, the, the politic that you refer to in terms of the, the shouting and getting loud uh, around protocols and then types of things, the younger generation are swiftly moving on from that. And, and I think politics is kind of having to catch up with the, the youth of the nation at the minute. Great to hear it. So you are in a club final with Cushendale. It must have been pretty surreal, like a whole village going out of Croke Park. You're playing the Pearshig. I know you lost, but just for the day itself in 2016. Yeah, well, get, getting to a club final is, is always a, a huge occasion um, for any club because in, in general, our clubs are uh, very small groups of people reliant on a small number of families at the time. And that's certainly the way it, it was uh, in 2016 for ourselves where... We're a really rural community. Um, you know, we're, we're closer to Scotland and Cushendall than we are to a, a supermarket. Um, we are, you know, we're kind of like, to, to, to kind of explain our geographical location. Uh, Cushendall and the Glens of Antrim were hemmed in by, by mountains behind us and the sea in front of us and until until the coast road was built in, in the middle of, uh, I think it was about 1850. Um the easiest way to travel was back and forth to Scotland and travel or sorry, uh, connecting with the rest of Ireland is tough. So, um, there's a lot of links there and, you know, we're, we're very proud of our, of our heritage and a lot of the names, actually a lot of the surnames that you'll find in the Glens of Antrim are also on the West coast of Scotland as well. And uh, the McLaughlin's, Macaulay's, McAllister's, for example. So, uh, yeah, that, but that was, it was a massive, massive occasion for our club in 2016 and uh, something that we didn't think was going to happen because we'd been knocking on the door for so long. I think we'd lost 11 or 12 uh, All-Ireland semi-finals, two or three of them uh, after replay and one after extra time. And it was the, the door that just wouldn't come down. Um, but we, we got over the line uh, and we got to the, the final on St. Patrick's Day, uh, which was an incredible occasion for, for not only uh, Cushing Doll, but for, for Antrim Hurling itself. Uh, it was just a pity that we really didn't do ourselves justice on the day and we, we played the occasion rather than the game and uh, we paid the price heavily against the fantastic uh, and the Pearsick team, now in fairness to them. But uh, yeah, we, we, we'd love to play that one back. You won the John McDonough Cup a couple of times. 2020 was a surreal it's just a, such an unusual occasion because it was probably possibly the darkest point of COVID for the country in, in December of 20, obviously since COVID was an outbreak in the, the very beginning of COVID. But I remember at the time it was, the nights were, were short. Uh, it was a uh, empty Croke Park, apart from yourselves, uh, Kerry, uh, Waterford and Limerick for the, for the senior game. Um, but it was special because the whole of the country, the whole of the land was watching their TV screen in their homes and watching you win a John McDonough Cup and you came off the bench and you did well and you, you were in the zone. And it's, it's something that you probably never forget, Neil. No, and I was really lucky to be involved. I'd been injured for that whole Joe McDonough campaign in, in truth. And um, I had only trained, I think, 
that week, maybe even just a Thursday night before the final. And Darren took a bit of a risk, put me on that day. And I, I would think if things hadn't been so tight, I might not have seen the field at all. But um, that was a brilliant memory. And I think that was a, it was a... It was a stepping stone on in the development of this team uh, and Andrew that you're you're seeing now competing, you know, with the, the rest of the teams in Minster and showing that we're really closing that gap. Uh, that was a big big moment for us uh, to regain Liam McCarthy's status. Um, and in the middle of COVID, it was it was lovely to be part of something that was is so important. Like, you know, the GA is without doubt the the most important sporting code for uh for our society in ireland and we you, you bear a lot of responsibility uh, as an inner county player and you're representing so many people and it means so much to them that to bring a little bit of light into houses during that time was was a joy really and for a player silverware matters it we see it with the Conference League in West Ham. It's the third tier competition in European football, but it really mattered to David Moyes and the players. You see with Carlo winning the John McDonough Cup, it mattered. The Talton Cup mattered to Westmeath. These competitions matter. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think we can do an awful lot more for the development of, of hurling because th- these competitions matter because they bring you to a different level. And I think there are counties competing in the Joe McDonough Cup who who can be worked with, who can be developed. And I, I still include under in that. Um, we need huge funding to try and bring us up to the level that uh, the top tier teams in, in Leinster are at. Uh, because wouldn't it be amazing to see an Antrim team in a Leinster final? That would be hurling really showing progress. And I think that Antrim are actually a fantastic case study that GA could take hold of and, and push to to become that team because everything has been done right in our end and I, I think a little bit more investment would help a huge amount um, and that investment would actually go into the underage side of things because it's a huge financial investment to bring under 15, under 17, under 19 teams into the Leinster Championship and to have them properly prepare, prepared uh, to play those games because of the travel that's involved and the, the overnights and, and what have you. So I, I would love to see the GA really taking Antrim uh, on on its shoulders and, you know, let, let's see if we can make this work. And I think that funding would be a fantastic case study to, to show that we can we can develop other counties outside of the, the ones that are, that are more traditional and, and really improve and enlarge our top level hurling fraternity. The worry is always sometimes, Neil, that there's lip service and Antrim have survived in Leinster. They survived Leinster this year. They survived in Division 1. So they're there. Uh, Jarlath Burns will be an Ulster president of the association next year. Do you think the appetite's there at HQ for this expansion or is it a case of, well, hold on to what we have? Yeah, well, I think, to be totally honest, I think Antrim done more than survived in Division 1 and the Leicester Championship. Sorry, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're quite all right. But but that that is very often the perception that I I, I, I get and, you know, that people feel like Antrim done well to stay in, in the Leicester Championship, for, for example. But for me, looking at it uh, from the point of view of our team, like, the disappointment was palpable that we weren't in the top three um, and still in the, the, the knockout championship at the minute because obviously after our draw with Dublin uh, the first day out in, in Corrigan Park at home 
that was an opportunity missed, but but we really underperformed the second day against Wexford uh, down in Wexford Park, and there was only a goal or, or four points in that. But our performance shouldn't have had us anywhere near as close. And you know, we had we have won those two games, we would have been in the third in the third spot. And um, I, I think that's that's a really achievable and attainable goal for our group. And the disappointment still with me that, that, that we're not playing this weekend um, because that's something that I, I think we're really good enough to do and we've worked hard enough to uh, gain that, uh, that, that spot now. But I know Jarlath is coming in. He said his number one priority is uh, developing hurling, which was music to my ears and not something that I thought I was going to hear from a former uh, Arma football midfielder. But uh, he does have a genuine interest in the game and it is such a jewel in our crown. There is no sport like it on this planet. Uh, so developing it is, is a no-brainer. And uh, I think the scope is there and Antrim can certainly be used to, uh, it can be pointed to, to show that this, this can happen and relatively fast uh, is, is how quickly it can be done. Is an example of where there's a challenge, say the under 11s and 13s, I believe, had to amalgamate with a club 20 miles away for game time recently. In, in Antrim? In, in Cushendall, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. We, 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 so that's, that, 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 that challenge is more due to uh, society in Cushendall in terms of we it's a beautiful seaside resort in Cushendall and an awful lot of our houses now are uh, holiday homes so that means that not all of our houses in the parish are are providing children into the primary schools and, and therefore into the underage teams so we struggle for numbers um, I'm involved with a, a community group uh, called Grow the Glens and what we're trying to do is is give people the opportunity to work and live uh, in Cushendall and stay there and be part of our community and make sure it doesn't turn into a retirement village. Um, we've recently got control of the what was the former police station uh, in Cushendall and it's now being renovated and it's nearly completed into an economic uh, working hub. Um, so it's going to be called the, the Cushendall Innovation Centre where people can come and rent space that they may not have within their own home. To, to work locally within the glens so as we can keep those values uh, that keep those people involved in our community uh, that's really where that lack of numbers is coming from um, because the the truth of the matter is we don't have any uh, issues in terms of a love for the game or people wanting to be involved nearly all the children who, involve, who are involved in both our primary schools are playing for the club we were speaking a bit off air about uh, club facilities and defibrillators, the importance of of having them in clubs uh, around the country. And you have first-hand experience of why that is so vital. Yeah, uh, a, a local man called Joe Burns uh, in 2015 came to my house as a first responder when my father was having a heart attack and saved his life. Um, and, you know, a, a huge advocate for... Uh, every GA club and nearly every public building having a, a defibrillator on it or or in it. Um, I was lucky enough to to be able to use a defibrillator um, last year. Uh, at just uh, about ten miles from my own home, on my way into work one morning to to bring a, a man around who was also suffering a heart attack. Both of those cases uh, had very happy endings because there was a defibrillator uh, available um, and uh, in use and working order. So 
look, we're, we're a very rural community. I'm, I'm very aware that we need to be self-reliant uh, as a, as a community. And it's, uh, it's something that I'm passionate about because it's affected my own uh, life uh, yes. and quite personally, but it's also something that I think the government as a whole can help rural, rural, rural Ireland with. Uh, I think that's something that, you know, the biggest problem in my opinion facing the GA, never mind rural Ireland, is uh, the rural depopulization. You know, we need to help people work remotely. We need to help people live uh, and be part of the communities where they're from because that's what they're passionate about and that's what makes those places flourish and uh, I think a whole lot more can be done in that area. When it happened to your dad and thankfully he's fine now did you know what to do? Was there a panic? Was there was, was there a first aid training in your background? or there, there, there was, It was very limited. I had some first aid training just through the GA and been involved with teams uh, but it was very limited and only uh for the first responders network, which is a network of, of trained uh, first aiders who know how to use a defibrillator and they get a call whenever uh, they get a text message actually uh, to the location of a home where a, uh, a 999 call has been made from. And they then try to get there before the ambulance. In the case of Cushendall, it took the ambulance close to an hour to arrive to my house, but Joe Burns was there within five minutes and he was, he was there in the nick of time for my family. Um, and really, without Joe volunteering, without the, the, that first responders being set up, my it could have been a very different outcome. It actually would have been because we wouldn't have been able to save my father's life in my house without him arriving. It does change a bit, doesn't it, Neil? Uh, it just makes you aware, uh, you yeah. know, uh, the fragility of life. And you've heard that saying before, but um, you know, my, my father was never ill. In his life, he didn't. He never. He never missed a day's work in his life, and he was about. I'm going to say he was in his early sixties when this happened to him, and uh, he he was a fit man. He never complained, and he uh, he he just came home from from playing around a golf, just feeling unwell, and that was the only sign we had. And he he, he went into uh, a room that's not often used in our house and lay down the sofa and. Believe it or not, that was the giveaway sign because we'd never seen him lying down the sofa in his life. And that's why I, I, I rang the ambulance and said, I think my father's had a heart attack because I couldn't explain it in any other way, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, then you have somebody else there recently. Um, these kind of things are just essential. This medical support is just, it's not really, it, it shouldn't be an option. And I kind of feel sometimes it's spoken about as an option or that would be good, nice to have in your clubhouse. Yeah, they're, they're, I think we've moved well beyond the, the thought that a defibrillator is nice to have now. Um, I actually think it was an invention that, that came from Ireland as well. Um, but every public place should should have them. And they talk you through how to use them. Whenever I did use one last year, whenever you open the case, it's, it tells you how to use the device, tells you where to put the pads, tells you when to press the button, you know all you have to do is be calm and relaxed and it will talk you through the process and you can save somebody's life. Well, fair play to you, Neil. 15, 16, 17 years of Intercounty. How much has the game changed? I see Tipperary putting seven goals and 38 points behind Offaly last week and that just not would, have, would not have happened 30 years ago. It just wouldn't have happened. And Offaly scored 318. So has, has the framework of the game change in terms of the ball, the boss, or is it just the insane skill now and athleticism of the players? The game's improving. 
John, the game is improving and with that, the athleticism of the players and uh, like every other sport, you know, innovation is rife and that's a great thing. Um, and people are figuring out how to play the percentages that little bit more um, to open up scoring opportunities and maybe trying to pack your own defence so as you have more space to attack the opposition in. Um, the game's the game is quicker. Uh, it flows more, and it's much it's it's much less a man to man sport as it is kind of a a, a group uh, effort now. And yeah. whenever I started playing, you know, I remember one of my first games uh, was was just an out and out battle. Uh, you know, with with uh, my opposite Margaret, and that's and that's how it was for the first three or four years, definitely until things started to change. You know, if if you were centre forward, you, you went to war with the centre back for seventy minutes, and that was kind of how it was played. Um, we still have elements of that, but uh, a lot of the times you're playing the system, you're you're playing as part of maybe uh, you know. A, a group, if you like, where maybe it's a midfielder who pushes forward and he plays in a four with that half forward line. Somebody from the full forward line maybe comes out to join you. Uh, the tactical side of the game has moved on immensely. Um, and a little bit of that is missed because we love to see it. We love to see those battles of two of the best players in, in the country going at it, uh, hammer and tongue. Like, you know, I think that's really made the, the 90s. Um, you know, we, we, we remember those fast battles, you know, between. Uh, Tipperary and Clare and Clare and Waterford, Tony Brown uh, against Colin Lynch and these things, you know, those man-to-man battles are are less regular now. They're kind of more um, like a full forward, full back position and less so throughout the field anymore. Systems game, yeah, that's a good way of, of encapsulating it, Neil. Who's the best hurler you've ever seen on the pitch? That's not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's tough and I, like you know, people were asking recently who the best player you played with, and it's it's nearly impossible to, to say because I played across nearly three different generations. Uh, I guess in my, my 20th year playing senior club championship with Cushendall, and you know that, that's flown in. But like certainly as a defender, uh, the person that I find hardest uh, to get any joy out of was JJ Delaney. Um, right, I marked him on a couple of occasions and. Uh, change was in short supply. I can assure you, John. Um, now, obviously, he was playing a really on a really good team, but he just had it all. And whenever I watched him, I remember watching him in, in different games because I found it so tough to play against him. You'd watch to see was anybody else getting any joy playing against him in a different way. And everywhere he went, from his performances at wing back, and when he was moved into full back for the last four or five years of his career. He was imperious and he was incredible under a high ball. His timing was just unbelievable. He was a much better athlete than people give him credit for. Not that he often did, but he did take a score now and again. Um, And he he was tough. He was unbelievably tough. And that's that's a a quality we probably don't speak about too much. Uh, You know, we talk about the power and the athleticism of these players now, but they're still. I'm very glad they're still a great place for courageous hurling behaviour on the field and, and JJ had that in spades. Manly hurling, I think, as I once described yeah. Brian Cody called yeah. it, uh, Neil, yeah. Uh, forward play as well. I mean, you say the systems there, was there a day when you felt the ball was like a magnet in your hand, the sitter like a magnet that you felt, hmm, I really have it here. I'm really seeing it before I, I'm hitting it and I'm getting a lot of scores. 
you have you have days like that. They were few and far between, to be honest, John. But there, right. there were days, you know, when I remember just playing a, a, a Leinster Championship game that we didn't win actually against Wexford down in I think it was down in Wexford Park. It might it might actually have been in Port Leash, um, but where you know we were as a as a forward unit, we were linking up. Uh, really nicely but we had shipped a couple of goals early in the game and, and didn't quite make up the, the deficit, deficit at the end but for for the period in the second half we were linking up with Paul Shields with a couple of short frees and things and us getting a goal off one of them and you're you're just enjoying the game and it's it's been played at breakneck speed and whenever you're in, in that state of flow the game the games don't last long enough and they're over in the blink of an eye but uh, those 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 games where everything's going very well are few and far between because uh, the game shifts the moment and, and momentum so often now because the the, the restarts are are so so quick uh, so often momentum swinging all the time uh, I think that's why it's such a good game to watch it's so unpredictable. The, even though you know that Limerick are undoubtedly the best team in the country at the minute, um, the, a lot of people have other teams picked for their All Ireland. You know, champions uh, this year coming, and that's what makes it great because hurling's really hard to totally uh, tie into a system because anything can happen. Absolutely. Just before we finish, a couple of um, news lines, I suppose, that are in the atmosphere at the moment whether the Joe McDonough teams should even play in the All-Ireland series, would you still be in favour of that? I would. I, I, I would. Uh, I really enjoyed last year uh, welcoming Cork up to uh, Corrigan Park. I'd have loved that to have been two weeks after our Joe McDonough success because, you know, obviously, you're, and rightly so, a Joe McDonough success will be celebrated. Um and it should be. Uh, but we were playing six days later against Cork and Corrigan Park and we were right in the game for the first hour in fairness, but we kind of ran out of steam and, you know, uh, Cork had been coming off. I think they had, they had a four week break and we had six days and I just think we could, I think the whole championship actually has to be laid out a little bit differently. We played three weekends in a row in the Leinster championship this year. Uh, first three games, really heavy going. And at one stage in the Munster championship, I think Limerick had a three week break. You know, we, we have to, we have to, try and give teams the best opportunity to perform to the highest level, uh, to their to their highest level in each of the games and championship because it just makes the championship better. And, you know, we, we want to see Antrim competing with a full hand against, the, you know, the likes of Kilkenny and Galway and then we'll really see how, uh, how much progress is being made. It seems with this Euro 2028 bid that Caseman Park might be redeveloped at last. How important is this for the regeneration of the area, for Antrim Hurling? How vital is it? It's massive, John. Uh, Caseman Park's the focal point of, of Ulster GA, not only Antrim GA. I know that right. the football finals are, are, are played in Clonus, but the home of Ulster GA is is undoubtedly Caseman Park. Like We're so lucky in Antrim that we have you know, Ireland's second city. Um, and we need to hugely increase participation of Gaelic games and, and Belfast, Casement Park will go 
a huge way to being that flagship that we can point to that makes kids want to play there. And like, I'll always remember my father uh, and, and my uncle bringing me to me and my, my, my brother and my sister to the games in Casement Park. And there's no doubt that had a huge impact uh, on me. And the effect it had was that I, I wanted to play for Anton from I was six or seven years of age and I never lost it because going to Casement Park, you know, being part of a, a fanatic and Anton support. Um, just made me determined to, to to be one of the guys in the field at some stage. Is the health of the underage system good there in Antrim? Are there is there a lot of focus on the young kids, boys and girls, and Camogie and 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 and, you know, and minor hurling and that? And I think I think we have a good setup, probably under twenty, uh, just just below uh, our, our senior ranks, but a huge amount more needs to be done, John, at the at the, at the underage level, especially in Belfast. We're, we're missing out on, on a huge population, and we need to we need to we need to capture uh, that opportunity um, because it has the ability to transform Antrim. Uh, if we make Belfast a, a real uh, GA hub, and uh, it also gives Antrim the opportunity, because it's such a, an economic powerhouse in the city now, Belfast, we we need to be able to uh, utilise that to our benefit as well. So what's next, Neil? Are you going to obviously take a bit of a break? Are you in a holiday coming? And are you, are you going to get back into the games? Are you going to get into coaching, uh, management? What, what's the ambition? Are you going to stay in hurling, as it were? Oh, well, it's 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 undoubtedly the passion of my life, John. I'll, I'll not be too far away from it at any stage. I wouldn't think. Um, I've, I've, I had a holiday at a, at a week, had a week away, and away from daughter. That was great. And um, I think that, and I've been really lucky already to have offers to to uh, get involved with different teams. But you know, my club, uh, Cushion Doll, is is uh, going to take up the rest of the summer and hopefully long into the winter as well. Um, for the next while um, and you know we're a highly ambitious club team so the, the standards of, of training don't drop off hugely from the county to be totally honest uh, but yeah I'll be involved in the, in the game as, as as long as I'm breathing and uh, I I don't know what form that will take uh, maybe next year or the year after but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be involved in some way shape or form and I won't be that easy to get rid of and you're Telling us here now before we go that Cushendall's place definitely worth visiting. Uh, Cushendall is it should be on the must sees when you visit this country. Uh, it's it's totally unspoiled and it's a real hidden gem. The Glens of Antrim uh, is not visited anywhere near enough, um, and I think that tourism Ireland are, are really missing a trick in that case because so many people, even for people who uh, or maybe not from Ireland. Like we'd love to see more people from the south travel up into the glens of Antrim and just see the the passion for the games as as well as the beautiful scenery um, and meet the people. Um, but people coming in from you know from America, from Australia, from from the continent as well, they they go and they visit you know maybe Carrick or Eid Rope Bridge or or the Bushmills Whiskey Distillery or the Giants Causeway. But you know, and those are. You know, those are good to see once, but the glens of Antrim is an area of outstanding natural beauty. It is a place that I think when you spend some time there, uh, you realise that it's a very special area 
the cultural history and uh, the people really make it what it is. And I don't, I've, I've never heard anybody who regret visiting or heard of anyone who regret visiting the Glens of Antrim. Neil McManus, congratulations on a great career with Antrim and with Rory O'Cushendale, which are going to continue, obviously. Thanks so much for speaking to us and off the ball here on News Talk on our Saturday afternoon. Uh, look, it's the end of one chapter, but the beginning of a new one. Fair play to you, man. Thanks, John. Hurling on Off the Ball with Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship.